This week's episode is sponsored by Igon. Now, we all know how hard it is to say goodbye to a loved one, a friend or family member. It's difficult to imagine life without them, to go on. Well, with the Igon, you don't have to. Igon is revolutionary new technology that allows you to still keep in touch with your dear departed long after they've passed away. Using a simple system of solar energy, the Igon can be integrated into any headstone or crematorium plate where it will constantly stream the deceased's social media content for the loved ones to visit time and time again, allowing you to relive sun-filled, fun-filled holidays, family visits, all the weddings, christenings or cosy Christmases. Igon allows you to reminisce fondly of that time Auntie Jean had an argument about immigrants with her militantly left-wing neighbour Bob, or spammed your timeline with Britain First posts about someone she's never met being refused alcohol in Tesco. We know she didn't mean it, and it is such a shame that it resulted in her murder. But it's not just Facebook. You can choose to have a rolling set of Instagram pics so you can always be reminded of your beautifully fit cousin, Jared. Such a tragedy that he fell off that mountain in Brazil trying to recreate that meme. But he left us such wonderful memories. <laughs> Remember when he didn't go to the gym for nearly a week? He got so fat. And let's not forget his activism those naked pool shots where he implored us to forget fossil fuel and his beautiful butt announcing Mental Health Awareness Week. Often married slightly awkwardly alongside the occasional pic of him and your daughter as a baby, but he was such a proud gunkle. Sadly, external links aren't supported by Igon at this time, so you will still have to subscribe to his OnlyFans. Uh, there's always your Uncle Dave's Twitter feed. Zero followers when he was alive and a court order for trolling female MPs. But the endless stream of all caps vitriol can be enjoyed again and again. Pick your legacy contact, because that's a thing now, and choose either one or several easy monthly payments. There's no upkeep or financial maintenance to the Igon, so as long as you keep visiting the cemetery and the sun keeps shining, these memories will last forever. And don't forget, new likes and wall comments will keep appearing, making every new visit not only commemorative, but fun. Whether Bob's still ranting that he's glad the bitch is gone, or the numerous people still asking dead Jared for a dick pic, it really is the gift that keeps on giving. With the eye gone, you may be gone, but you're not forgotten. And now we return to our never-regular series, The Life and Loves of a Foley Artist. Last week, panic ensued when a bee found its way into the recording booth and caused an unnecessary plane crash. This week, Geoffrey visits Emily to work through their relationship.
Oh, it's you. Hello, Emily. Can I come in? I'm frightfully busy, Geoffrey. What do you want? Hush, Mitzi! I really don't like how we left things. I feel like I need to explain. Oh, all right. You've got five minutes. Are you bringing your gravel in? I'd rather. If you must. But leave it there by the welly boots. Well, what is it? Could I have a glass of water? No, Geoffrey. Please, I'm very thirsty. No! Just say what you've come to say and go. I'm very busy. I just wanted to say that I didn't mean to hurt you. You're right. My work became my priority and I lost focus. I still love you, Emily. I know it won't be easy, but... Where did you get that cup of tea? That's not important, Emily. What is important is that I love you. Geoffrey, there's something you should know. Sit down. Geoffrey, when we first met, everything was wonderful. The birds sang in the trees. Waves crashed along the shore. And the wind rustled romantically through the leaves. Stop it. But you forgot about me. You forgot about us. You became so obsessed with your work. You must realise the special effect you're having. I feel like I'm going out of my mind. It's very, very cruel. I can't believe this. After everything I've done. Everything you've done? The cistern creaks? My measuring jug constantly rattles on the hook. And I can't make coleslaw without feeling like I'm in a horror movie. I don't even smoke. And I can't open the fridge without this happening. And then there's Mitzi. My cat. This passion. The fixation with perfection. These wholly inappropriate noises have made you impossible to be around. And that's why I have to tell you. There's someone else. You don't mean... This is Rodrigo. He's a classical music composer. Yevdy. Well, if that's what you want... It is. Is it? It is. Is it, though? Goodbye, Geoffrey. Aren't you going to shut the door? No, Emily. I'm not shutting the door. Your doors will be ever silent. Your summer's birdless, and no one will ever hear the clanking of your jugs. Goodbye. Geoffrey, wait! Yes? Your gravel. Thank you. Now on House of Daft, playwright and novelist Alan Bennett reviews pornography. It dropped on the doorstep with a thud. 
It was Mother that heard the letterbox first and shouted up the stairs. I was lying on my candlewick bedspread, reading a magazine featuring lithe models demonstrating isometric exercises. It's one of your films, she shouted. The disdain in her voice lingered in the air like smoke from a chip pan. It's research, I counter, bounding to her and snatching the jiffy from her marigolded hands. If I have to take a cricket back to your sheets again, she bellows, but I'm already back in my room and tearing the package open, a grey dust billowing from the brown baggage. I free the VHS tape from its padded cell. A youth with a glistening torso and a sweep of beach-bleached hair in what appears to be a makeshift sumo thong stares seductively at me from the cover. No holds bared, screams the title, utilising a pun that must have sounded much cleverer when they were putting the film together. A prize opened the box and plunged the heavy cassette into the player. On starting the TV, I realise the volume is on full and I flail across the room to switch it off, nearly spilling my tea. The downstairs door squeaks open and Mother's in the hallway and I pause for a few moments until I hear her creaky knees go back into the sitting room. The film begins in a gymnasium, where a group of young men in what I imagine are very constrictive shorts for sport throw balls around and say things like, gee, I hope I qualify and can't wait to make the team. Brad, we learn, attempts to wink and says, there's only one way to make the team which one would assume is to be good at basketball, but apparently not. Suddenly we're in the changing rooms and everyone is ready to go home, except Steve, who's having great difficulty tying his shoelaces up. It's a sad state of affairs, especially once he realises he's going to have to take his shoes off again to put his trousers on. Changing rooms remind me of school, the stale sweat, the musky gym kit crispy around the armpits and large, hirsute, domineering PE teachers. Someone somewhere must have once found this erotic, but not me. It fills me with dread. And when the coach tells Steve he's going to have to stay behind to practice judo moves, it transports me back to Leeds Modern and my fear of detention. Panicked in case I was late home and missed 20 questions on the wireless. So I skip this bit. Even on fast forward, I can tell Steve hasn't mastered any of the fundamentals of judo appearing to be trapped underneath the coach the whole time.
were in Brad's bedroom and he's doing press-ups. He's naked. Presumably so he knows when he's seven inches from the floor. His wall is covered in posters of Farrah Fawcett before she was major. But from what we've seen, we already know he's not interested in her in a romantic fashion. So assuming he likes them for the hairstyles. Someone throws a stone at Brad's window and he boldly goes over. I worry about his neighbours and the lack of a neck curtain. It's Derek with two R's. Your tea's ready. Mother is calling me down. So Brad and Derek with two R's will have to wait. There's Battenberg. Alan Bennett, there. Tune in next week when broadcaster and natural historian David Attenborough reviews pornography. The term triple threat is tossed around these days. Seemingly being able to write, perform and produce your own podcast simply doesn't cut it, no matter how much I protest. Well, my next guest can lay claim to truly being a quadruple threat. Quintuple, probably, as she's so blooming gorgeous, she'll also likely steal your husband. <laughs> Please join me <laughs> in welcoming Kate Martin. Thank you for having me. Now, I know we haven't got you for very long, so I'm going to jump right in and ask, Kate, how do we describe you? Out of all of the things, all of these incredible achievements, what do you consider yourself to be, first and foremost? Um, because, of course, we not only have your incredible success in the music industry, but marrying that, if you will, alongside your activism, your scientific achievements, and to top it all off, award-winning acting, both on screen and stage. But who are you? Who is Kate? Because to me, it's always felt like you were a singer first, starting as you did in the music hall alongside your father, who was very famous in that field. And I know that's been very well documented. So I'm guessing the double header, if you will, of being a singer alongside having to perform in reviews and sketches would make me, as an observer, if you will, view those two things as being the starting point, the launch pad, if you will, that then ricocheted you into the public eye. Well, and of course, you were even writing your own material for those shows as well, which has been very well documented. So I guess we need to shove songwriter in there at the very beginning. Absolutely. So, so take us back. Take us to those early years living with a father who, if you will, wasn't the best of dads. And that's been very well documented. And which, of course, led you, one imagines, to all those years later, use your celebrity and notoriety, if you will, to really highlight the plights of people born out of the same circumstances. Well, I wouldn't necessarily oh, say Oh, no, no, because... neither would I. I'm just trying to paint a picture of you, of the little Kate, of this person with dreams and hopes and aspirations in what was, if you will, and this has been very well documented, a certain degree of poverty, if you will, of your mother dying so tragically when you were young and your father living with this tragedy and the tragic nature of having to be both a mother and a father, but mostly a father, and moving you around from place to place. I because I think, think we necessary. all look at that backstory as not only your inspiration, but also an inspiration to many people who needed to be inspired by something so inspirational. 
Sorry? And we know the inspiration behind so many of your songs, and this has been very well documented, is that tragic tragedy of tragically losing a female figure, a force, if you will, and indeed, mother. What was the question? So moving on from those early years, I want to touch on, and I know we haven't got you for very long, to what some, and maybe to yourself, must have thought as being what must have seemed like a curveball in your career to some, and maybe to yourself, when they suddenly published well, your scientific... Suddenly oh, of course, sorry, yes. When they published your scientific paper, suddenly, on the sudden changes in Saturn's magnetic field. Perhaps you can tell us briefly, as I know we haven't got you for very long, about your research, your excitement about this field, and your excitement about the magnetic field. So, Because you were heavily into science as a child, one imagines. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you will, that your paper was suddenly published as it was thought to have been very well documented. And it must have been an incredible honour and an inspiration to the tragic memory of your tragic mother. So we've talked extensively about your childhood and at great length on your activism and achievements, Kate. But let's take it back to what I and everyone, if you will, will know you as first and foremost, if you will, which is a singer. What's happening with that? Can we expect new music? Yes. Kate Martin, thank you very much. Thank you for tuning into House of Daft. This first episode was written, recorded, performed and produced by me, Alex T. Hornby. I want to thank my very good friend Kate Martin for the loan of her vocal skills and all the people at Free Sound for lending me sound effects. Join us again next week when David Attenborough will be looking at wildlife of a completely different nature and me, Auntie Pam, will be trying desperately to explain the plots of her favourite movies. See you then. Bye.